Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We are continuing through our series, uh, looking at the Beatitudes or the blessings of Jesus tonight. Um, And we've been working through them one by one. Um, And tonight we're looking at the beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, If you've known me for any period of time at all, you've probably heard me talk for far too long already about the hiking trip that my brother and I did uh, up in the Northern Territory in April last year. Um, It's amazing, it's already been a year, um, which is amazing because I'm still alive. Um, We flew up to the Northern Territory, we hiked for six days and covered about 130 kilometres, carrying all of our own gear, water, food. Um, I think there's a photo of my brother and I, that's us, before we started, Um, don't be deceived, our smiles didn't last very long. Um, But uh, it it was great, we had a fantastic time. Um, although we did uh, suffer immensely. And our suffering on the the hike was partly due to the fact that uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, We booked the flights for the trip about uh, two months before we flew out. Um, We didn't even have maps. The only maps that I'd purchased were some tourism brochures online um, a couple of days before we flew out. Um, Needless to say, we got lost, um, but more on that in a moment. Um, The other reason that it was a difficult, uh, or that we suffered immensely, was because it was actually a really difficult trek, um, I promise. And um, one of the main challenges that we faced was on the second day, uh, there was a portion of the track about three kilometres long, uh, that um, was very difficult to access, and so it was hard for the rangers to, to maintain this portion of track. And you could tell that there was a track there once, um, but very gradually, over time, over years, the surrounding bush and shrub had overgrown this track um, so that you, you, couldn't, you couldn't see it anymore. It had been lost to its surroundings. Um, and so here was my brother and I with our tourism brochures at the mercy of um, the bush, and we, we wandered around for a couple of hours looking for little openings that could be part of the track with very little success. Um, Thankfully, eventually, we just stumbled um, back onto the track by luck and and continued along. But in a sense, this was really the challenge that Jesus' followers and listeners were facing as he spoke to them. Uh, The path of the good life, of the blessed life, a full life, had been gradually swallowed and consumed by the ideals and ideas of the surrounding cultures, um, which proclaimed that the blessed life um, was based on a specific set of circumstances and a specific set of human achievements. And with his Beatitudes and his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes and he starts to re-clear and repave, redefine the path of um, the blessed life, the full life. Um, And so we're going to look at that tonight. Um, Let's read the Beatitudes together um, to refresh ourselves. 
If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to Matthew 5, and um, we're going to read from Matthew 5, verses 1. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be um, on the screen behind me. Let's read together. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger or thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be uh, called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil to you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And tonight we are focusing on the third beatitude, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And I want to look at this beatitude from back to front um, across three points. Um, Firstly, um, we're told to take the earth. Secondly, they will inherit the earth. And finally, blessed are the meek. Uh, Part one, told to take the earth. If Jesus said, blessed are the meek, then the world said, Blessed are those who take the world by force. Uh, Or, the world is available to you, take it. Uh, I don't know if you've studied much ancient history at all, but if you have, you'd probably associate um, the Roman Empire, uh, which was the world's superpower in Jesus' day, um, with a whole host of really positive human achievements. For example... They connected cities with roads and infrastructure. They revolutionised sanitation and hygiene. And they globalised trade and globalised food. Um, But the Roman Empire in Jesus' day was uh, almost unrecognisably oppressive. Um, And they made it their goal to assert themselves on all of the civilisations around them. Historian Tom Holland writes that the Roman Empire believed that once the whole uh, globe, uh, that it was only once the whole globe had been subjected to her rule, could there be a universal peace. In other words, the belief uh, within the Roman Empire was that it had the capacity to uh, rule the world, that it wasn't going to stop until it did, and it was going to by means of force. On the other side of the coin, the Jewish response to the Roman oppression was equally assertive. Um, A couple of hundred years after Jesus' time, uh, the Roman-Jewish wars were a hundred years of violent uh, revolts against the Roman Empire. The Jewish response to Rome was to fight fire with fire. Um, And so the overriding worldview in Jesus' day Uh, was that through aggression, through hard work, and through force, you could take the world, and you were encouraged to do so. And there may be some different overtones 
But isn't that the message that exists for us in our cultural moment today? Um, For example, America and and so much of the Western world was founded on the belief um, that... uh, that it was the land of opportunity, where the adventurous and ambitious could make their fortunes. Or you've probably heard William Ernst Henley's well-known line, I am the captain of my fate and the master of my soul. Uh, We live in an age where motivational speaking and self-help material are as popular as ever, uh, saying that um, you can be who you want by means of your own. We are told that we can be what we wish, we can have what we desire, and we can be in control. The world is available to us. Take it. But the declaration of Scripture, time and time again, is that the notion that you are in control is one of the greatest and oldest lies of the enemy. Actually, Scripture tells us, we are not in control and you're not able to take the world for yourself. Um, During the week, I work as a physiotherapist in a hospital and um, I love the job and come in contact with a whole uh, variety of people. Um, However, I often find myself in the interesting position of uh, watching people who... Uh, in the context of deteriorating health or a decline into old age, are suddenly slapped across the face with the reality that they are not in control of their lives. And you watch their shock as things like uh, relationships, um, independence, uh, finances, cognition um, are lost from their grasp. Uh, And Jesus tells us a couple of chapters um, later um, in Matthew 6, don't store up uh, treasures for yourself on earth where moths and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. Um, We see time and time again that uh, global markets uh, and housing markets fall, jobs fail, relationships deteriorate, uh, natural disasters destroy And uh, online security and fraud is as much a a global issue now as it's ever been before. But in in addition to the fragility of external circumstances in our lives, psychology will tell you that left to their own devices, human beings are emotional. They're unpredictable and they're prone to mistakes. So perhaps after all, contrary to popular belief, uh, we are not in control of our lives. And I wonder whether we try to avoid that reality because to not be in control is terrifying. For me, to not be in control of my life is a terrifying reality. Uh, But to the person who is willing to hear it, Jesus has wonderful news. In the Gospel of John, he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus says, you never will, but I have overcome the world. Um, I wonder if you're familiar with the events of Easter. In Jesus' death, 
Um, he allowed the reigning powers of darkness to come and exhaust their power on him. And in his resurrection, three days later, he overcame those same powers of darkness um, to render them defeated. Uh, John 1.5 says that um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so the great hope of the Christian faith is that Jesus invites us to participate in his victory. And so part two, um, they will inherit the earth. Um, the word inherit in uh, the biblical sense has less to do with entering into possession of that which has been left by a ceased one and has more to do with entering into possession of that which has been promised or foretold by God. And we enter into possession um, of that which has been promised by God in part now and um, in fullness within God's coming new creation. How is that so? Uh, well, let's start with the final product, God's coming new creation. Because the ultimate victory of Jesus is not just some abstract idea, nor is the hope that he takes us out of the earth um, into some abstract or other alternative dimension called heaven. Um, the hope is uh, that Jesus' resurrection was physical and tangible. Um, the disciples felt the holes in Jesus' hands where he had been nailed to the cross. And though Jesus has returned to the Father now, the hope is that he will return, bringing heaven with him to earth to restore the creation uh, that we exist in. Can I read you just a snippet of Revelation 21? This is the vision that John receives of Jesus' return and God's new creation. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death or mourning or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious... There are those words, will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. God's great plan is that he comes down to us and restores this earth, this physical earth, our physical bodies, which Jesus has won, has overcome on the cross. Tom Wright says Jesus' resurrection was the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch us away from the earth, but to colonise earth with the life of heaven. What a wonderful vision, what a wonderful hope. So what about now? What does that mean for us now? Part three, blessed are the meek. Uh, well, the word meek in the original Greek is the word praeus. 
And praeus was used to describe an animal uh, that had been domesticated or a wild stallion that had been broken in or really any animal that had been brought under control so that it was obedient to its master. It would sit alongside words like humble or lowly. So it begs the question then, whose control is the meek or praeus person subject to? Well, we've already established that it's not our own. I'm not in control of my life. But nor is it subject to primarily the people around them. Contrary to what uh, most might assume, the meek person is not a doormat uh, to the people around them. They don't give up on everything, um, blindly obeying the wishes of the people around them. That would be more weakness than meekness. Uh, Rather, the meek person is under the control of, you guessed it, God. They come under the authority of God, uh, which, by the way, will likely lead them to bless the people around them. Not out of a sense of obligation, but out of a sense of love. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, if you try and save your life, you will lose it. But if you lay your life down for me, you will find it. And in chapter 4 of Matthew, right before our passage tonight, Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. To repent is to turn around. Jesus says, turn around from the way that you were going. Um, Turn around from the direction you're heading and follow me. Come alongside and align yourself with me. And so in any given circumstance, the question that we are invited to ask ourselves is no longer, how can I further my own cause here? Um, And nor is it principally, how can I further the cause of the people around me or a boss um, or the people I'm in relationship with? Principally, in any given situation, the question we're invited to ask ourselves is what is God doing here? And how can I further his cause? How can I bring glory to God in the circumstances of my life in this day and in this place? Consider the Apostle Paul's words in Colossians 3.21. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as if for God's glory. In other words, The circumstances of your life, though they are significant, are not the essential ingredient for serving God meaningfully. Rather, he says, whatever you do, whatever you spend your time, uh, your energy, your money, your care, your resources investing into, the crucial point is that God invites you to do it for him. Um, The most menial tasks and relationships can become a place where God is glorified. And when God is in control of our lives, he works through our actions to give the world a foretaste of his uh, coming new creation. Or put more simply, when God is in control of my life, there's the potential for the people around me to encounter God. 
So how do we inherit the earth or engage with God's promise now? Well, the answer is we become praeus uh, before God. And just to return to the image that we started with, um, Jesus is clearing uh, the overgrown um, shrub and bush of the, uh, the day's ideals, um, which say that um, it's a specific set of circumstances. Um, it's a specific set of human achievements that give you um, blessing and fullness in this life. And he says, rather, you are blessed. And to paraphrase today's beatitude, because I have overcome the world, my kingdom is available to you when you make yourself available to be shaped and led by me. Um, I'd love to just uh, leave you with uh, one specific image um, from a couple of years ago. Uh, when I was uh, staying with my family uh, up in Mooloolabar on the Sunshine Coast. If you've been to Mooloolabar, um, the surf is often quite rough there. On this particular day, there was a significant headwind and uh, it was a rough surf. And there was one tourist uh, who was on the beach who um, evidently was very poor uh, at swimming, uh, didn't swim particularly well, and they got swept out into the surf and they were taken out into the ocean off the shore and they started panicking and grabbing at the waves and the water. And uh, the lifeguard saw them and uh, head out, uh, went out to meet them in the surf where they were. Um, but the lifeguard wasn't a actually able to rescue them and bring them back in straight away. Because of this uh, tourist's distress and disillusionment, um, they, weren't, they weren't engaging with what the lifeguard was telling them to do. They were grabbing at the water. They were grabbing the lifeguard and pulling them under the water. Um, they were in a, in a place of panic. And um, it was only three or four minutes later when they were so exhausted that they couldn't pull the lifeguard under the water anymore that um, they became uh, supple, and um, malleable and started to listen to um, the kind but firm direction of the lifeguard. And as soon as they started to listen to the lifeguard, you could see they came onto their back, floaty in hand, and they were back on the shore in no time at all. And uh, guys, the best position that we can take with our lives is to be supple, and malleable to the kind direction of Jesus, who is in control. Why don't we pray together? Would you pray with me? Well, Father, it's, um, it's, it's terrifying to think that we um, are not in control of our lives. And uh, God, we just acknowledge that, that it is countercultural. And it's challenging to bring ourselves under the control of anyone or anything other than ourselves. But God, you, you have overcome the world, uh, which we cannot do for ourselves. And so God, would you help us by your grace and mercy to become praeus, meek before you. And God, we praise you for your kindness towards us. We praise you for the vision that we have of the kingdom to come, the new creation 
where you come and you restore this physical world that we exist in. God, would you come and meet with us tonight? Help us to become praos before you uh, in the way that we live our lives. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.